socialists. We're emerging from the economy of the Industrial Revolution. An economy confined to and limited by the Earth's physical resources into the economy in mind, in which there are no bounds on human imagination, and the freedom to create is the most precious natural resource. Soul of Enterprise, Business in the Knowledge Economy, sponsored by Sage, energizing business builders around the world to the imagination of our people and the power of technology. I'm Ed Class with my friend, co-host Ron Baker, and on today's show, folks, oh boy, oh boy. Strap in. <laughs> yeah, we are going to be discussing George Gilder's speech at a conference that was sponsored by the Acton Institute called The Soul of Silicon. Uh, Silicone, as Ruthie would say on uh, Ozark, but that's an inside joke, Ron. You, don't, right. yes. you haven't watched Ozark yet. Oh, I have. I've watched a few episodes. Oh, you have? Okay. Yeah. Oh, I okay. didn't think much of it. I stopped, but, but I, well, okay. I Yep. <laughs> So a, a double reference there because the opening of that one is um, the opening of that show is almost Gilder-esque actually. It is. It is talking <laughs> about money. Yep. Yep. But in any case, this, this uh, soul of Silicon again, delivered. Uh, this is the, at the top of my, my copy that says as delivered to the Vatican at a conference arranged and coordinated by the Acton Institute, May, 1997. Now, I don't know if that was at the Vatican to the Vatican. I assume that this was also, since it's at a conference that it was spoken, although you and I are reading it um, in, in we, we, we can't find a, a recording of it anywhere if it does exist. And of course, George Gilder has been a guest on the show a number of times. And, and in fact, we just replayed the episode that we did last year and it was extremely well received by you, our audience again. So we figured let's, let's keep on the theme of Gilder and talk a little bit about this magnificent, and I'm going to keep calling it speech that, he delivered and Ron what what else do you know about the background of this any any other insight that you can share on that only that when we asked George I think the first time he was on the show I brought this up I told him I thought it was his most inspired piece of writing and I still believe that and this guy's written (laughs) some very inspirational books I asked him if Pope uh, John Paul was present when he delivered this speech and he said no he said but the Cardinals were there Okay. And, and that's, and I don't know if there were others from the Vatican that were, and, and I don't know, like you said, if it was in the Vatican, but he did say the Cardinals were there mm-hmm. or some Cardinals were there. So. Okay. So I assume that it was then at a, at a conference at the Vatican, although it says to the Vatican, but. Right. Right. I guess, I guess father Sirico might have some more insight on it, but uh, yeah, it would be great to get a recording of this. And, and it, it was in a celebration of, of Pope Pope John Paul's recently released encyclical um, you know, from May 1st, 1991. So I guess six years prior, uh, Pope John Paul wrote uh, Sentis Emissianus, right? Uh, uh, actually, no, 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 no. He, he wrote Rerum. Oh, yes, yes. Sentis Animus, right, which Sentis, is... Yeah, Animus, right. which, which is a celebration of Rerum Navarum, right? From, right. 1991 and that was 
Pope Leo the 13th. Pope Leo the, yeah, the yeah. 13th, yeah. And what, you know, what Gilder says about the, the uh, 1891 encyclical was that, you know, it refuted Marxism long before Marxism had refracted into a global plague of tyranny and murder. And, and I know we didn't do, we, we've never done a show on that particular encyclical, but we have done a podcast with our colleague, Adrian Simmons, where we dissected that 1891 encyclical head and it's like an hour and a half. Yes, we sure did. We should probably put that up on the Patreon site as a, a bonus for those who really want to dive into it. <laughs> because that was a heavy encyclical. And and I'll tell you, uh, Centesimus Annus is, a, is, is also beautifully written by Pope John Paul. It's worth reading as well. Mm-hmm. And we'll, we'll put links up to both because you can pull these right off the Vatican website, I think, in PDF. So Yeah. Yeah, so some pretty pretty great stuff, but but let's let's delve into the, this speech uh, a little bit, Ron. And and you know it's interesting because this this was clearly one of the inspirations that led to this show. I mean, the the soul of enterprise, the soul of silicon that, that that's that, that's not not an accident. Not at all. No, Gilder's <laughs> kind of the godfather of this show because it just it's you know his for his second book I think was or not a second but one of his books was the soul of enterprise and or or uh, the spirit of enterprise. I'm sorry. And, right. and so that that's always been with me for this dates back to the eighties. Right. Right. So there's, there, there's, there's clearly, there's clearly uh, this is an antecedent to the show. And a lot of the things that we do talk about is, is penetrated all throughout this entirety of the speech, but as to where to begin, I mean, you know, he set, sets this up as, like you said, he's, he's talking about the anniversary of Sentimus Annus and, and Rerum Navarum. And then he goes into the, the, the notion about the, the, the loss of materialism through the development of a, a, a really atomic theory Right. right. That we, we understand now that, you know, the, the very solid thing that's sitting before you, the microphone that you and I are talking into is mostly empty space. Right. <laughs> and right. And it and is only the bonds of the and the relationships that form the energy between those things that keep those things together that makes it appear as solid to us. And so it, it really confounds the very notion that, that all the world is material. And then he launches from there. But I'm going to pause there and let you say, is there anything thing else in this kind of the preamble where he starts to talk about the stuff that struck you? Yeah, no, just I, 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 do, I do love he started talking about the physics of quantum theory and all of that. And, and of course, he, he comes back to that theme towards the end of the talk. And, and maybe it makes more sense after you've read his premise, I think, in his analysis. But talking about because he's always been you know an anti-materialist i mean this idea that uh, wealth exists in in material things um i i love how he says the powers of mind and spirit are everywhere ascendant over the brute force of things the mm-hmm. true capital of the capitalist economy is not material it is moral intellectual and spiritual yeah no great great stuff i think and he uh, I think that's a great job. So my, I had outlined here the, the this sentence, which I think sums up the the whole beginning of the speech, which is there is no longer anything solid or physical determined in the prevailing theory of the atom. At root uh, of all the cascading changes of modern economic life, devaluing the materials resources of technology, business, and geopolitics is the overthrow of material uh, solidity uh, in the science of matter itself. So. 
Yeah. Yeah. I love that. And, you know, wealth now comes not to the rulers of slave labor, but to the liberators of human creativity, not to the conquerors of land, but to the emancipators of mind. I just, and I love how he points out that, you know, today more uh, there, there's uh, the global network of telecommunications carries more valuable goods than all the world's super tankers. I, I can yes. remember reading that the first time and just thinking, Oh geez, that's profound. Yeah, absolutely profound. And and look, I think there was something that's been brought up in the news more recently, and I, I don't know where this tie, ties in, but now the it is anticipated that the value of information is more than that of oil. Right, right, right the yes. The value of, of information is now valued in total more than all the oil. I don't know. I don't know what's the oil that we know about or that we've, 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 we've uh, Probably extracted. that we know about. I, I, yeah. yeah, the economist has been making this case. They've called information the new oil. Mm-hmm. You know, the whole uh, Facebook gathering our data and all that. You know, the surveillance surveillance capitalism, Ed. You know that thing. Well, well, <laughs> yeah, that's where some choose to go with it. Yes, right, okay. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but the, the the point being is that information is what's driving the decisions that we're making. And that that information and access to that information at our fingertips is is the most valuable thing in in total or that's around. Right. Exactly. And of course, you know, his exemplary technology of of this shift um, this from, you know, material resources to the spirit and the mind is the microchip. Right. right. And and because the, the the most valuable part of the microchip is not the silicon that's in it, the sand. I mean, that's one of the most it's made from the most abundant material resources on the earth, right? Sand, aluminum, I forget some of the other substances in there, but these things are relatively abundant. It's it's the idea for the design <laughs> that's that's got the value. And of course he cites Michael Novak, who talks about the root of capital is kaput, which means the head. You know, mm-hmm. capitalism is a mind-centered system. Correct. Correct. I think it's well worth, and I'm just going to read the, the, the parable of the microchip that, that he quotes from Gordon Moore, because I think it's well worth it. And it's, it's, I, it's not something that I had heard of before reading this, obviously, and have read this quite some time ago, but I really like this story. So this is from Gordon Moore now, of course, the founder of Moore's Law and uh, of partially uh, of Intel, right? And he said, we needed a substrate for our chip. So we looked at the substrate of the earth itself. It was mostly sand. So we used that. We needed a metal conductor for wires and switches on the chip. We looked at all the metals in the earth and found that aluminum was, was the most abundant, so we used that. We needed substances both to protect the chip chemically during the manufacture and to insulate it elect- electrically in use. We saw that the silicon in sand mixed together with the oxygen in the air to form sili- silicon dioxide, kind of glass, that both protected and insulated the chip at once, so we used that. I love that. I'm, I'm glad you read that because I, I didn't highlight that, but that that's such a great line. Mm-hmm. And it's, yeah, it's, so- it's it, it, you know, I remember Gilder making this, he says, you know, Canada is not the leader in world literature because it's got the, you know, the most and tallest trees, <laughs> you know, the books are made. <laughs> right, right. You know, the value of a book comes from the ideas and the knowledge contained in it, not, not its paper and binding and all that, but yeah. So yeah. some really he- heavy stuff here as we, we approach the end of this first break. And we'll, we'll, we'll talk more about this in, in, in the sex- subsequent sections of our, our show today. But there's some really great stuff that I think we want to 
to talk about. He does talk, take on even the problems with, with Adam Smith's argument and, and both the problems of the left and the right. And I think he, he really is a, a, a balanced view of all things that are going on. But first want to remind everybody that you can get a hold of Ron or me by sending an email to asktsoe at verisage.com. Of course, what we'd love for you to do is, is take a pause right now and go out and give us a review on either iTunes or Apple Podcasts, as it's called now, with lots of different places that you can go to give us a review, not only on that platform, but others, Google Play as well. Uh, if you do send us a review, we would be happy to read it on the air. And that is, in a way, the electronic and digital and quantum currency that really makes this show tick. So we really love for, for you to give us a review on the show and so that others can find it more easily. But right now, a word from our sponsor. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Sage provides accountants with compliance, reporting, and analytic solutions to do more for their clients. These solutions include education programs such as the Sage Accountants Network Client Advisory Service Program. This program delivers the tools to create, package, price, market, and deliver additional services to clients, increasing your profitability and delivering more value to your clients. Let Sage help you grow your business by visiting sageaccountantsnetwork.com. that changed your life? I sure have. But have you ever read a book where the forward changed your life? Me neither. Hello, I'm Greg Kite. I wrote the forward to Ron Baker and Ed Kless's new ebook, The Soul of Enterprise, Dialogues on Business and the Knowledge Economy. The value of this book is found entirely in its forward. So when you buy it, think of it as buying the forward and getting the rest of the book for free. Available now for download exclusively on Amazon.com. We're always talking business. Talk to an expert. Call now, toll free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. tuned into the soul of enterprise with ron baker and ed class to find out more about our show visit us on the web at the soul of you can also chat with us on twitter using hashtag ask tsoe now back to the soul of enterprise and back to the soul of silicon and quoting again from this Yet capitalism, for all its productivity and creativity, has foundered in its own materialistic superstitions and failed to produce or create a compelling argument for its own essential morality. And the Pope call and Gilder says the Pope calling us out on this is uh, is a great thing, probably anag- analogous to the discomfort of the rich man being confronted by the Lord, which I thought was great. Um, <laughs> But then uh, I just want to read this one thing and then then pass it to you, Ron, because I thought this was one of the more beautiful passages. The more mathematical advocates of capitalism would sing of equilibrium, a Newtonian dance of equations, the source of our multiplying lows. To this day, most conservatives would rather celebrate free markets than applaud a private 
enterprise. They would rather laud individual freedom than praise a particular free individuals, the entrepreneurs who make the system work. And when I read this, I'm like, well, this is this is the the, the materialist fallacy that is that was latched onto by the accountants and bookkeepers of the world, right? That in the is in the grand scheme of things, debits equal credits. Right. <laughs> and and I love how he says this is a vision of capitalism without capitalists because he, he talks about the you know, the problem began with Adam Smith, who he was charmed by the free market, but totally disdainful of businessmen. In mm-hmm. fact, I think we've talked about that on um, on the show many times that I brought up, you know, Thomas Sowell when he taught, used to give students an automatic A if they could find in any of Smith's works, anything, a book, a lecture, private papers, letters, anything nice he had to say about a businessman. Right. And he was he never gave an A because Smith was totally disdainful of businessmen, thought they only met to raise prices and conspire, conspire against the public and didn't like cities for that very reason, right? That, well, this is a place to house them all close together so they can more easily conspire. So... I just, yeah, I absolutely love that because he says uh, the the mathematical advocates of capitalism. That is just great. A Newtonian dance of equations. I just think that's phenomenal. Um, but it, but then he goes on to say consisting, you know, this is capitalism that's consisting chiefly of invisible men because we honor the system, but not the entrepreneurs that make it work. Uh, it's, it's an economics bereft of both man and God. No wonder the Pope finds it offensive. Um, and he says the case for capitalism is necessarily the case for capitalists. And uh, that is so true. I mean, and, and, you know, we have that line that everybody uses. The problem with capitalism is the capitalists. Right. Right. The fact that businessman can't make a moral case for it. I mean, look at a recent example, Mitt Romney, right. Mm-hmm. They apologize for it or they try and avoid the topic, but you know, he, Gilder says the implication of this, not making a moral defense, he says, is that our, the idea that our wealth springs from some Faustian pack, right? A deal with the devil by which we gain material benefits in exchange for succumbing to the sin of avarice feeds the body and starves the soul in a neon wilderness. Yeah. And, and I think what's important to note here is that I, I definitely believe that Gilder is talking about an ideal here. And I don't think that he's I don't think that he's talking about all business people. I no. think that he is talking about a, a, a select few and what he, he would continue to refer to as the entrepreneur. But I also do think that there are so many things that happen in business, at least in my experience, where, where, where I've seen this, that where pe- people who come across as the, the, the most, quote, you know, uh, g- greedy business people are still have principles uh, that are with that fall within this very moral realm, even though they don't know it. It's, 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 it's sort of like a, uh, in a way that it's it, it, an idiot savantism in a way about the very nature of business and capitalism itself. It's very weird. I don't know if that, if I've described it well, but that's really how, how it's impacted my brain. No, I, I agree. Ed. in fact, uh, I would say that part of that, that instinctual without being able maybe to articulate it or even know it is, is because the businessman or woman spends so much of their time thinking about how to please others. It's really true. I mean, you sit in a business meeting and the, the cust- you know, the customer's going to come up with the customer things. What does the customer value? I mean, at some point, 
I, I mean, I know organizations can turn inward and internal, but those that do tend not to last. Uh, but we spend a lot of our time in business trying to please others, i.e. the customer. And, and right. maybe that's where that comes from. Right. Which is, it was just hence why we're, we're so anti-cult of efficiency, because the cult of efficiency turns the organization inward on itself, right? And I don't know that, you know, so many will say, well, no, it's about putting the customer first. But then when the actual ideas are implemented, it's all about gaining efficiency inside the, co- the company itself, which we're not against, per se, Right. right, we're not against that, but what we are against is is putting that before the outward expression of it, which is figuring out what is it that the customer needs, you know. And then this is the section, of course, where where he, I think, utters one of his most famous lines, which is talking about capitalism as the being is the, is the essentially the um, altruism of enterprise. Right. The the idea when I I can remember reading this that capitalism begins not with taking, but with giving. And thinking, oh, geez, you talk about having your mind just turned inside out. And he says the most successful gifts are those that are the most profitable. Gifts that are worth much more to the recipient than to the donor. Um, The most successful givers, therefore, are the most altruistic, the most responsive to the desires of others. Uh, And that is just, you know, he calls the circle, he calls it the circle of giving, which is the profits of the economy. And mm-hmm. I just love that. I just love that. But and pe- but people don't recognize that this this outward focus. And this is where you know he gets gets into this notion of the entrepreneur, the not the, the people who sit around garages and tables and figure out, okay, what is it that I have to do that would be of 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 value to someone else, right? And th- this notion of of flipping the whole uh, idea that it's about gift giving without. The, it's it's because this is my one of my favorite sentences. A gift is not defined by the absence of any return, but by the absence of a predetermined return. Right. Unlike socialist investments, investments under capitalism are an ag- analogous to a gift in that the returns are not preordained and depend for success entirely on understanding the needs of others. But let's go back to this notion of the gift that it's not defined by the absence of return. When we give gifts, we are, we do expect something in return. All of us do a reaction, a thank you. Mm -hmm. Right. And in fact, we are profoundly disappointed when after giving, putting a lot of thought into a gift and we share it with somebody that they don't give an appropriate amount of praise for the gift. Right. Right. So to so to say that a gift is tr- is truly given with quote no strings attached is is nonsense. That's complete nonsense, right? We're like, oh well, if they hate it, they hate it. No big deal. I've heard said no one ever in, g- <laughs> in giving a <laughs> yeah. gift, right? I mean, except as you say, if you, you know you're giving your your brother-in-law who you hate the Deepak Chopra book for Christmas, right? right? Well, Ken so, Ken has wailed on me for a couple of gifts I've given over the years. <laughs> yeah, but you know what? That was your repayment in a sense. It's true, true. You were wanting him to go off on you, so when he told me when he told me he hated it, I said, "Well, it's a thought that counts." And he said, "Great. Next time, think of something else." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but but I think that that's so important for us to to recognize that the difference between this is is that we do expect a return on gifts, but in in what we do for our, our business lives, our the gift that we we offer is is an unexpected return. Now, what's odd about this is how this ties into a lot of the work that other people that we've had on the show talk about. For example, Peter Block. Sure. 
is consistently taught constantly, I shouldn't say consistently, constantly talking about in, in projects, in consulting engagements, talking about the notion of what gifts do you bring to this engagement, to this mm-hmm. project, yeah. right? And I just think that it's fascinating that there's such an incredible tie-in. The same word even, and these are very different sources. I would probably guess that <laughs> Peter and, and George are very much apart ideologically. Yeah, absolutely. Right? Yeah. right? But they come together in this one word that in, and, 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 and of course, Block is talking about this in a business context. Yeah. He's talking about what gifts do you offer? And he says it's also a very weird word to talk about in a business context. And it's true, it is. Especially in a consulting context, as even more micro, you know. Oh, but right. It, it, it's it's absolutely true, and I, I love you know. He talks about profit as an index of the altruism of a product, a measure of the extent to which an investment reflects an accurate understanding of the needs of other others. And then he goes on to say, egocentric producers oriented more to self-expression than towards the service of others often claim special special virtue and demand public subsidies for their unwanted output. And I, all I could think of is, hmm, Elon, Elon Musk. Musk. <laughs> <laughs> uh, although, like we, I mean, we talked about last week, uh, he, 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 he has correctly identified that a lot of the cars don't have souls anymore. So we talked a little about that. Right, right. Yeah, yeah. No, his car definitely does have a design soul to it, for sure. Mm-hmm. I just don't know if it would be as successful without the $77,000 tax credit that you get. Oh, clearly it wouldn't be because it's fallen off the, the I mean, sales are way down. Right. And, and there's and lots and lots of problems with it now. So Virtually non-existent in other countries that also don't have, offer that subsidy. Uh, right. So, yeah. And, and, then, and then he goes on to say, Gilder does, large companies, however, often are the sclerotic face of capitalism in decline, seeking government favors to replace the profits they no longer can earn by serving others. And, and, and that is so true. You know, Ed, we, we talked on, um, during that conversation about Elon Musk talking about how cars have no souls. And I got a direct message from a LinkedIn uh, follower who uh-huh. said, I'm a, I forget his title at General Motors. And he said, I, I, you know, I heard you guys reference the Bob Lutz book, you know, the bean counters versus the car guys. He says, I can tell you, GM is sliding right back into its old ways. Really? Yeah. And it just, that just blew my mind. And I I didn't ask his permission if I could use his name or anything, but that was the gist of his, his DM to me. And I just thought that that was really interesting. That's very sad to me. (laughs) It is. Yeah, it is. It is. Yeah, but well, you know, right, he, so, this is summed up, isn't it? Is give and you will be given unto. That's exactly that, where I was going unto. The, what does he call that? The 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 inverse, the platinum rule, right? Give yeah, the golden and, rule of uh, capitalism. The the success of others is your success, or something like that. Yeah. Well, that no, that, that's a little bit later actually in here, but yeah, no, but give, give and you will be given unto, right? It's, 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 it's not ask and you shall receive, it's give and you will be given unto. And I think that that's really, as he puts it, the fundamental theme. Uh, the, the argument that the capitalism is a valuable system chiefly because it recognizes and exploits human greed and rap- uh, rapacity is the opposite of the truth. 
Right. And, and we got it. We're up against it, Ed. But yeah, when we come back, let's talk a little bit more about greed because he certainly takes that to task in here, too. And it's not a defense of capitalism. But folks, in the meantime, I'd like to remind you, if you want to contact Ed or myself, you can do so at asktsoe at verisage.com. We will post links where you can get the soul, um, the soul of silicon um, from uh, the web and also the other encyclicals that we cited. And you can check these out for yourself. Highly recommended at the least that you read Gilders. And now we want to hear from our sponsors. future of online TV is here. View exclusive content from your favorite talk radio hosts and new programs that you can't see anywhere else. Visit voiceamerica.tv today. Sage provides accountants with compliance, reporting, and analytic solutions to do more for their clients. These solutions include education programs such as the Sage Accountants Network Client Advisory Service Program. This program delivers the tools to create, package, price, market, and deliver additional services to clients, increasing your profitability and delivering more value to your clients. Let Sage help you grow your business by visiting sageaccountantsnetwork.com. that changed your life? I sure have. But have you ever read a book where the forward changed your life? Me neither. Hello, I'm Greg Kite. I wrote the forward to Ron Baker and Ed Kless's new ebook, The Soul of Enterprise, Dialogues on Business and the Knowledge Economy. The value of this book is found entirely in its forward. So when you buy it, think of it as buying the forward and getting the rest of the book for free. Available now for download exclusively on Amazon.com. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. You are tuned into The Soul of Enterprise with Ron Baker and Ed Class. To find out more about our show, visit us on the web at thesoulofenterprise.com. You can also chat with us on Twitter using hashtag AskTSOE. Now, back to The Soul of Enterprise. Welcome back, everybody. We're talking about George Gilder's speech to the Vatican or a conference at the Vatican called The Soul of Silicon. And it's a moral and to some extent, even a theological, I would say, Ed, defense of capitalism. And one of the issues he takes on is the greed topic. And I love I love this. He says greed, in fact, impels people to seek first their own comfort and security the truly self-interested man most often turns to government to give him the benefits he lacked the moral discipline to earn on his own by serving others. And I just think that is awesome. And then of course, part and parcel of that greed, he talks about consumer demands, whether they're avaricious or not, are impotent to impel growth without disciplined, creative, and essentially moral producers of new value, all effective demand ultimately derives from supply. A society's income cannot exceed its output. This, of course, is the supply side mandate. And, you know, as I, as I read that, Ed, I thought, you know, you know, that is so true. I don't know how anybody could challenge this in terms of economics, that your demand power is only as good as your supply power as a human being. Unless you're a, ch- unless you're a child, then, you know, then you've got your parents' supply power and you don't have to you don't have to uh, give of yourself or worry about serving others, but it, this is this is a tautology almost. 
it, this is probably the most one of the most difficult and misunderstood things uh, I, I think ab- about the the market system or what, what what do we like to we're calling it now market dynamism market dynamism yes right? our our new bet fa- favorite term market dynamism and I I think that that because people just inherently just see the other way right if you say that 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 it, it's supply that creates demand they'll say really. So, uh, like I like so 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 um, supply creates demand. What what about all of the ha- extra houses that get built in Las Vegas or whatever? How come they're right, not right? Surplus right? goods, yep, yep. Surplus goods, right? All all of this stuff, but it but that's to miss the point. <laughs> totally. <laughs> right. <laughs> right? It, what 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 I think he's trying to say here, and you know, help me if I can to better articulate this, is that in order to receive, one must first give. Give right. It's yep. very, that's very it. Simple, that's it. Right? You stop. Full sentence. That's it. <laughs> that's it. <laughs> Given you shall be given unto. Yeah. Right. And and that and that's that's the way this way. It's not want. <laughs> want right. and you shall you shall be given to. Uh, you know, right? as far as I know, the consumers in North Korea have unbelievable demands, just like every other human on the planet, and has not propelled economic growth in their country. Yeah, so, the example uh, you, I usually use is Singapore and and Jamaica. Yeah, which <laughs> roughly have about the same climate and the same population. Yep. Sure. Sure. Yep. And then, and of course, and then he goes on. And this is true. We we're talking about before the belief that the good fortune of others is also finally one's own does not come easily or invariably to the human mind. It is, however, the golden rule of economics. And yeah, we got to unpack that one. We got to yeah. unpack that one for people. <laughs> Because and and that does not you know this is kind of goes back to the zero sum versus the abundance yes. mentality. This is not something that comes natural to the human mind. You know, I think well, gee, if Ed picks more berries than I do, there's less for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that that and that's and that's the the default value in the human mind. I think, but what we have to recognize is that the the, the system of market dynamism actually actually flips it on its edge. Right, the good fortune of others is also one's own, and and, I, and that's what led him to to write the book, his book, the Israel Test, if I'm not mistaken. Right, yep. is that you know that's one of the the key tenets of that book is that there's a there's a jealousy around Israel that they you know they took the desert and made it bloom and have t- turned it into this incredible thriving place to be that it never was, uh, mostly because that you know, of their belief in the good fortune of others is also one's own. Right. Yep. And, and, you know, I think that that, that, that comes as a key challenge to us. Cause like I said, we, we, we see the, the, Hey, you got more berries than I do. I'm going to go hungry. I'm going to die. Right. Um, but I think that what we, what we have not recognized is that in creating new stuff, and this is where he goes next, right. This notion of that we are co-creators of wealth on the earth. Right. And, and then, of course, the kind of in the next section, and this thing isn't divided up at all. I mean, it's just no. one document, at least my copy is, and all the ones I've seen and read are. But he, he goes on then to talk more about faith. And this is something he said on our show last time, Ed, when we were talking to him about uh, life after Google. And I just love this. It's just stuck in my head, you know, that faith precedes knowledge, faith precedes action, and faith precedes meaning. And I just, I, you know, he says the optimism of the entrepreneurial investor is always in a sense irrational. 
He has no way to force a market for his goods, and people have every right to deem them worthless. His investments, therefore, must spring not only from a spirit of altruism and char- or charity, but also from a commitment of hope and faith. Mm-hmm. And boy, did Anne, Ayn Rand blast him for this because she kind of chalked that up to, oh, well, Gilder just saying this is all blind luck. If you succeed in building a business, you know, you didn't build that, not mm-hmm. because the government did it, but because just you relied on blind luck. And that is not what he's saying. Mm-hmm. And it, what really pissed me off about her talk was, um, she, she admits, she goes, I will not read this book, but she read an, she read excerpts from an article that quoted some of the passages and, and I think misquoted too. I'm not going to take the time to go back and look, but it just, I thought she set up some straw man and she did not articulate Gilder's position very well. Well, let's, let's just back up a second and explain to people what you're talking about. This is, this is, and it's, this is commercially available. This is Ayn Rand's last public speech, correct? I think that is correct. It's called The Age of Mediocrity. You can get it online. I bought it online from the Ayn Rand Institute. I think that's where you can get an MP4 of it and download it. And uh, it, it's her last public speech, I think, although I, um, I, I think that's right. It's one hour, and uh, at the 30-minute mark, from about 30 minutes to about 38 minutes in, <clears throat> she just rants against Gilder. And, um, you couldn't even mention him though, right? She doesn't mention, no, she does. She does. She, she does many times actually. And actually the whole speech Ed, is kind of a rant. First she comes out and she says, let me anticipate a question from the audience. I do not approve of the Reagan administration. (laughs) You know, she says it's better than Carter. She was a big defense spending hawk. She thought that was one great thing Reagan was going to do was increase defense spending. She goes, you, you have to keep ahead of the Soviet Union and all that. So I thought, thought that was interesting. And, and then she said this, Ed, on that same rant, if you don't want to spend money on defense, you should leave the country. <laughs> uh, and, and she was all for his economics, uh, his tax cuts and the spending cuts. But she thought the longer harm of Reagan was going to be intellectual. That, that Reagan was a pragmatist who led to the right. She slams the pro-life movement. She slams families. She slams religion, creationism. Uh, and she slams libertarians, by the way. Oh, she yeah. Libertarians are monstrous. They're cranks. They're a disgusting bunch of people who plagiarize my ideas and don't give me any credit. Um, but she calls Gilder a militant mystic. And, they're, and he's trying to acquire, not he, but just she lumps him in with others. They're trying to acquire a philosophy of their own. And this was her quote exactly, and you can imagine her accent, right? You can hear it. Somebody called Gilder has written a book defending capitalism. I shall not read that book, but I will quote from an article. The article was called The New Right by Peter Schwartz from his newsletter in 80, 1980 called The Intellectual Activist was the name of the newsletter. And, and then she just goes on to take on this whole altruism idea. I just thought that was ridiculous that it's not based on greed, but on giving and love of family. And that's why I think she tore down that earlier in her talk. Um, you know, the, the idea that self-interest leads to socialism, not capitalism. She, you know, Gilder didn't say self-interest. He said greed. Mm-hmm. And I thought that right. was a, a misquote. Um and she, of course, she she said, when faith dies, so does enterprise, quoting him. And she didn't like that. And it, after this rant on Gilder mm-hmm. in his book, she says, if, if this is our new intellectual force, God help America. 
And, and I thought, boy, that's probably the, one of the few times you can catch Ayn Rand seeking God's help for anything. <laughs> Is that a prayer? <laughs> Isn't she the one that for the first time she met William F. Buckley? She goes, why are you Catholic? You're too smart to be religious. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Interesting so. stuff. All right. Well, so, so, so bringing back, yeah, I think it all, all it stems from her, her mi- not, I guess, misunderstanding. I don't know if that's the right word, but her co-opting, probably that's a better word, her co-opting of words to bend and twist to mean exactly what she wants them to mean. And anyone who uses those words in a context other than how she wants them is wrong. Right. Yeah. Right. And I, and I, you know, so I, I, I think Gilder here is being subtle when he says that, it, that prophets are an index of altruism. Right, right. right. He, he's using the word meaning other-centeredness, other-directedness, focused on others, the creation of others. You have to create something of value to others. Um, and I, that just, of course, makes her go off on him, which, okay, let's, let's move on. because <laughs> Right, right. And, and, but what's really powerful about that idea of giving is, the, you know, like he says, the, the market can deem it worthless. I mean, there's no guarantee of that predetermined reciprocity, right? right. I mean, we might expect it, but it, they, could, they could reject your offering. They can reject it. And that's, and that's the point, right? I mean, and that's the great thing that at any point, a customer can fire the CEO of any organization. Right, right. Right by no longer buying their product or no doing, no longer doing this. Okay. So let, let's move on. Cause I want to, I do want to get to a couple of other the things in here before we, we take our break. She, she then, you know, really goes into the, the, uh, and eviscerates the, the Marxism side of things here. Right. right. Um, you know, you know, Marxism and statisms are based on the materialist superstition, right. That, the believe in the treasure of things. It's capitalism that is based on the treasure of ideas and spirit. And I think that's that's a really important line too. And he also talks about the that capitalists have the anti Midas touch, right? Because instead of just turning things into gold, they take gold and liquidity through the alchemy, and there's a Rory Sutherland word yeah. of creativity of spirit into to produce capital and real wealth, right? Wealth, of course, in this case, being ideas, being the, what we talk about the 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 economy of of mind, right? Uh, as Reagan says so eloquently in the speech that is at the beginning of all of our shows here. And I think that's a, this is, this is a, a critical shift in the, in, in the piece that uh, Gilder is making uh, to, to get to, I think, the, the real cool parts, which we'll talk about right after our next break. But we want to remind you that you can get a hold of Ron uh, or me by sending an email to AskTSOE. Of course, the website is thesoulofenterprise.com where you can have show notes. You'll have show notes as well as previews to upcoming shows out there. We do have our Patreon site where you can hear bonus episodes, and we will try to put our analysis of Rerum Navarum up there if I can find it on my hard drive, but we'll make sure to get that up as a bonus bonus episode on the Patreon site for those of you that are interested. But right now, a word from our sponsor and my employer, Sage. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. Sage provides accountants with compliance, reporting, and analytic solutions to do more for their clients. 
These solutions include education programs such as the Sage Accountants Network Client Advisory Service Program. This program delivers the tools to create, package, price, market, and deliver additional services to clients, increasing your profitability and delivering more value to your clients. Let Sage help you grow your business by visiting sageaccountantsnetwork.com. Have you ever read a book that changed your life? I sure have. But have you ever read a book where the forward changed your life? Me neither. Hello, I'm Greg Kite. I wrote the forward to Ron Baker and Ed Kless's new ebook, The Soul of Enterprise, Dialogues on Business and the Knowledge Economy. The value of this book is found entirely in its forward. So when you buy it, think of it as buying the forward and getting the rest of the book for free. Available now for download exclusively on Amazon.com. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are tuned into The Soul of Enterprise with Ron Baker and Ed Klass. To find out more about our show, visit us on the web at thesoulofenterprise.com. You can also chat with us on Twitter using hashtag AskTSOE. Now, back to The Soul of Enterprise. Well, welcome back, folks. We're talking about George Gilder's speech, The Soul of Silicon. And Ed, before we got into that Midas touch, uh, he had a little uh, few paragraphs about the experts. And he said, the experts are afraid. He says, as real human possibilities expand almost boundlessly, many intellectuals feel only new pangs of claustrophobia. Their morbid anxieties about non-renewable resources, finite reserves, the limits of growth, and the closing circles of nature. I just, I love that because he says the crisis of the day is mostly a failure of faith. It is Marxism and statism that are based on the materialist superstition, that the belief in the treasure of things. It is capitalism that is based on the treasure of ideas and spirit. And, and I just think that's so true. As you get older, your, your walls start to close in as you face your own mortality and, and things seem, well, you know, the good old days were whenever you were born type of thing. And it's just, wow. <laughs> well, isn't it that that's, uh, I think Rory uh, bring, brings this up and Rory Sutherland brings up in a lot of speeches he makes, he talks about have, if you, if you ask an e- expert and he believes that something is, is, uh, is true, it likely is. If he believes that something is unlikely to be true, it almost certainly will not be. <laughs> right. But yeah. And, and of course the other thing Gilder says, and, and this is so true too, that, that the value of a nation's goods stem from the values of its people. And so the argument that, oh, well, capitalism can, you know, appeal to our baser side and pornography and drugs and, you know, well, yeah, but that's, that's for another realm of civil society to, to work on, you know, people's morals and ethics. And that's what he's saying there. But then he goes on to say that the most essential capitalist act, the very paradigm of giving or investing without a predetermined outcome is what, Ed? <laughs> Something that's very near and dear to my heart. The bearing, raising, and educating of children. Bang. <laughs> yep. That's it. Right. That is the ultimate um, capitalist act. And because, it, and it's very true. It's because it, it, when, when he talks about capitalism in this context, he's talking about clearly faith in the future, right? Yep. And how important the future must be. And really how sick and twisted one must be if one did not have faith in the future to bring children into the world. 
And, now, and I, I think that's a large part of why you're seeing declining fertility rates. I mean, I've seen that theory posited all sorts of places. Well, there's, there, I think this, there's a combination of things. I mean, certainly we've had AOC talk about how the fact that she's not going to have right. children because she doesn't want to bring children into a world that's going to, you know, be uh, you know, nothing but ruinous, right? Right, right. <laughs> so, yep. which, which, if that's what she believes, at least, okay, um, I, I find that intellectually consistent, right? I, I think it's sad and sick and twisted, but it, it, I, it's at least it's intellectually consistent. You know, and, and this is not nothing new. I mean, Gilder even cites an Ann Landers poll that 70% of mothers who felt betrayed right. by their children and given the choice would not bear them again. I'm like, wow, holy cow, right? It's like, but because really, uh, and, and if you want to talk socialism, my house, my household is totally based on socialism, Ron. Oh, Marxism, probably. <laughs> Right. Yeah. To each according to his need from, right. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. For sure. Internally. But anyway, uh, just read this one more sentence on this and then we can move on to, to finish up the end of the speech. Parents are the ultimate entrepreneurs. And as with all entrepreneurs, the odds are against them, but all human progress of business and of families and society depends on the entrepreneurial willingness to defy the odds. Yep. It's beautiful. He, he really fleshes that out in his book, Men and Marriage, too. So if you wanted to see that in more detail, uh, check out that book as well. Then he goes on ahead to talk about equality before the law. And, you know, this is a really important point. In order to give, you first must be able to own. Yeah. <laughs> so private property is kind of an important institution as well. It's not the, it's not, it's not the only thing, but it's definitely a necessary thing. Um, and then he goes on to talk about charity more than in giving consists in understanding and understanding is hard, but it's the first arduous first step in successful charity. Giving requires a hard earned understanding of others. That is the chief insight that the experience of capitalism offers the church. Indeed, that is the very genius of capitalism that it recognizes the difficulty of successful giving. And of course, we've talked about this. This is, I think, both of our reservations with the UBI. It, de- definitely my reservation with the UBI and, and, and overall my reservation with, with, with social programs and the government do, getting involved in this in the first place. Yep. Right. And, yep. and, and that, that is really my, my chief argument, you know, the, and, and there, look, there are so many people that I encountered who, you know, well, why, why are, why are you so anti-child? Why are you? Well, no, I'm not. I'm, I'm, in fact, I'm so pro what you're saying. I'm anti that. I just don't think that government's the proper way to do it. Like, why, why do you not want healthcare for the poor? No, I do want healthcare for the poor. <laughs> that's 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 why I'm against having the government be in control of it because they do a lousy job with it for the Veterans Administration, let's say. Yep, or the Indian reservations. Yeah, they cite example after example. It's just it's just the wrong place. Look, and this is something that I've definitely taken from Gilder. It's not necessarily in this speech per se, but uh, and I've used this on any number of arguments. But is as 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 a Catholic, as a Christian, it, do I believe that it is my duty to help those less fortunate than me? Absolutely, without sure. question. That, right, there's no question in my mind that 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 I'm duty and honor bound to help the our fa- fellow travelers here on on spaceship Earth who who don't have are not been given the gifts that that I have right. But do I think that it's the government that should be the one that that does that? 
Heck no. In fact, I would say that uh, uh, it, it, I, it scares me to think that people believe that that's the place for it, that that's, that's where it should come from. Yep, that it's a right. <clears throat> I mean, he actually says greed, therefore, leads not to capitalism, but to socialism, as by an invisible hand, self-interest impels a society to an ever larger welfare state. Right. And that's, again, not another one of those really counterintuitive thoughts. But what struck you about the ending? Because this is kind of when he brings back the, you know, the quantum vision of, of combining a particle and a wave and, you know, about the whole materialism thing. What struck you about the ending of this? Well, the couple of things that I, and this is, I guess, just before the official ending where he starts to wind this up. But I, I, I have heard this homily from Monsignor Escriva in Joseph's workshop, which is mm-hmm. fantastic, by the way, if you haven't heard the whole thing, it's, it's really quite good. But that, that, that we, we know, we, that know-how is the primary source of wealth in the modern economy is faith based on faith, hope, and charity. And, uh, the way Michael Novak has put it, we can respond to our mandate of our creator who made it, made us in our own image to be a, a be creative. Um, and at, at that, that's the thing that struck me about the, this toward the end. And then I really do think that he sums it up quite well, um, you know, where he's talking about how phys- physicists now agree that matter derives from waves and fields and probabilities. And to comprehend this nature, we have to stop thinking of the world as basically material and begin imagining as if it were a manifestation of divine consciousness uh, suffused with sparks and informative energy. And I just wanted to loop in the fact that I'm about uh, halfway through Donald Hoffman's book, The Case Against Reality, in which he is saying almost exactly uh, that it's about consciousness. So, Yeah, that's excellent. And, and boy, does that fit in with what Gilder was saying on the show when we had him on talking about Google mm-hmm. when you asked him about consciousness and, and Hoffman's book, which I don't think was out by then. But um, No, yeah. it's, it was just out this week, actually. Right, right. Um, yeah, so I just... You know, I, 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 this is something I try and read every year. And I don't know, I've maybe read it 12 times since it came out. I'm sure I read it you know, very shortly after it came out. Uh, I just find it just an inspiring piece of writing. Um, it's, it's poetic and just beautifully written. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he, he's done a fantastic job here of combining a lot of different topics together. And I, I, I salute him for that. He is... For those of you who have listened to the two shows with him, he is by far a much better writer than he is a speaker, uh, just because of, I think his his verbal mannerisms are a little bit distracting. You have to pay strict attention to it, but boy, oh boy, this guy can write. Holy yeah. cow, I can write. Yep. <laughs> in fact, I didn't get to it, but I pulled out his Wealth and Poverty in 1981 and just read like the first chapter in that when he's talking about both the friends and foes of capitalism, you know, both think it kind of sucks and they both offer really weak defenses. And um, that it's just so beautifully written. That was just another great piece of writing. So just excellent. Ed. I'm glad we devoted the show to this. I, th- I definitely think it's worth it, folks. Highly yep. recommend that you go out and read it. So, Ed, what's on store for Nick? Next week, Ron, as is our custom, the last Friday of the month is Free Rider Friday. Oh, right on. My stack is bulging. I'll see you in 167 hours. This has been the Soul of Enterprise, Business in the Knowledge Economy, sponsored by Sage. 
energizing business builders around the world through the imagination of our people and the power of technology. Join us next week for Freerider Friday at 4 p.m. Eastern. That's 1 p.m. Pacific. In the meantime, please visit us at www.thesoulofenterprise.com. 